Olympic and Paralympic Games don't really begin in your head until you are there. And if you are involved in such a way that your preliminary training or elimination rounds take place before the opening ceremonies, you are already in the highest level of focus before the opening ceremonies take place. It's hard to want to go to the opening ceremonies when you're already in race mode. You must plan what you will do with the demands on your time and performance. There are very few things that have an on-demand schedule and there is no chance to do it over, except maybe when you get married and have to say, I do. You must prepare with an on-demand training performance because your second chance may not come until four years later. With the schedule in chaos in 1972, it hit me, this is it. On demand, when the starter said, step into the start and perform to the highest level of your ability, it really hits you. I'm Jungle Jim Hunter, and you're listening to 831 Living Your Best Life Podcaster. We inspire participation, communicate precision, and empower performers to podium. And we hope you will tell your friends, relatives, and those you work with to go to their favorite podcast provider or junglejimhunter.com or YouTube and subscribe, download, click on like, rate and review us, and become an 831er. Somebody that is wanting to live their best life because you're inspired by this podcast and you help others live their best life. Well, there's only two days to go before the 32nd Olympic Games. And for some of you may be doing your math, you're trying to figure out it, but they're actually a day ahead of us. So you've got to take that into consideration. And there are 34 days to the 16th Paralympic Games that'll come up in August. I hope you will watch our teams and support them and cheer them on as the games begin. So much can happen at any time that there is no way you can approach the performance of your lifetime by trying to control it. In 1968, Jean-Claude Keely of France won the downhill on the first Saturday of the 10th Olympic Winter Games in Grenoble, France, with skis that were slowing down and had the course been 100 yards longer, he would have been the silver medalist. He and his mentor helper Michel Arpin, a former French racer who had the same height, same shoe size, and same build, had sacrificed his racing because he couldn't handle his nerves by anticipating every possible outcome they could think of. Their decision on the skis was a last-second choice, but in studying the times, Keeley won his first gold by eight one-hundredths of a second. The giant slalom victory was really a walk in the park for Keeley because he had been dominant in the event for two years and won both runs of the event, winning by 2.2 seconds with pure carving runs from top to bottom. The challenge Keeley had was the slalom held on the second and last Saturday of the games. Prior to the games, Keeley had only one victory to his name and had won every giant slalom and one third place finish in the Kitzbühel slalom prior to the games. Domenic Giovanoli was leading the slalom standings and Keeley had been inconsistent in slalom, pulling out a miraculous win once every few races in the two years leading up to the games. Although he earned enough points to win the first two World Cups in 67 and 68, he wasn't the favorite to win the slalom. The morning of the slalom started with fog and mist and shadows over the course. Racers pleaded that it be postponed. Organizers made a decision to run the race, and Keeley was the last racer of the first seat of 15 racers, and as he stepped into the start, the fog, the cloud, and the mist lifted. It parted, and the sun came out. His run put him in first place, being the first skier of the second run. Keeley raced, then waited as challengers tried to knock him off of first place. Hakan Moen of Norway bettered Keeley but missed two gates, so he was disqualified. The gatekeepers were having a tough time seeing the racers. The next guy in the start, Carl Schranz, the biggest threat to Keeley, was ready to go, and he explained it as he approached gate 21 that a mysterious gray figure emerged and walked in front of him. 
Franz stopped and with witnesses in tow, walked back to the starting gate and asked for a rerun. The rerun was granted and Schranz had a brilliant run beating Kelly and was declared the unofficial winner. Schranz enjoyed the post-race press conference, but two hours later was disqualified for missing two gates prior to the gray figure walking across the course at gate 21. Each side made their case and in the end the jury voted in favor of Kelly for there was just no way to prove or disprove what Schranz had said happened. Keeley had his third gold medal victory by nine hundredths of a second and became the second triple Olympic gold medalist along with Tony Seiler of Austria, who won in the seventh Olympic Winter Games in 1956 in Cortina. I understand why you give a maximum effort as if it was a victory to be gained in every training session because of the training my dad had given me back on the farm. You can't control the weather on the farm. You can't control what pests do, what insects do, different types of root rot and stem rot and plant rot. You can't control the wind that shells out the grain onto the ground or your worst enemy, frost or hail. But you do know that you can control what you do in that 150 to 180 days when you have a chance to grow a crop. And if you don't get the crop in on time, it diminishes its value each time one of these affects the plants. Worst of all, if you get hail, there is nothing you can do. It completely wipes it out and takes your crop down to the ground. I was aware of this and understood that, and this helped me prepare for every chance I had to give an all-out effort, no matter what the conditions were, because you just can't control anything. After I made the national team the first year, I was in Europe. I had the opportunity to race in the Criterium de la Première Neige in Jean-Claude Keeley's hometown of Val d'Isère in France. If he was home, he attended the races and I had a chance to meet him. He gave me his address and said that if I ever wanted to talk to him and learn what he could teach me to set up a time and if it worked out, he would meet me and he would take the time to answer any questions I had. That summer, I made an appointment and rang his doorbell. I had my yellow pad of over a hundred questions and he patiently answered all of them and he even invited me to stay the evening and share a meal. And there were so many lessons learned that day but one sticks out in my mind more than all the rest. We talked about what it takes and how to focus. The word control came up and he simply said this, you have to perform on demand. And so because you have to perform on demand, your preparation has to leave you with no doubt that no matter the conditions, the course and the challenges that show up, you give a maximum effort in all conditions and know you can do it. So you know what you can and will do. The key is to know you can't control anything except what you will do. So when it came to control, prepare and perhaps your chance will come. Any effort expended on anything else is just training you of what you will need to give all you can give in the moment. Like my parents taught me, always be prepared to give an answer for the hope that lies within us. I went to the Olympics with a lot of hope and a lot of belief, knowing that there was so little I could control. And so whatever happened in Sapporo didn't really matter. I just had to make sure I was ready. My quote for the day, I will do it when I feel like doing it, or I will do it until I feel like doing it. One is indecision. The other is self-discipline. Thank you for listening. And I hope you will have grown and will be living your best life the next time we meet and that on demand, you can perform to the best of your ability. Yeah, yeah.